see somebody with Mark's, like Mark Zuckerberg, the resources that Facebook has at its disposal, everyone now is scrambling to make sure that they have something they can talk about that they're doing in the metaverse. It's the same thing that we saw in blockchain. You saw Long Island Ice Tea changing its name to Long Island Blockchain. Things like this are happening out there, Hoda. Um, to me, the, the, the metaverse is not just a singular thing. It's not just the Ready Player One virtual reality where we've all got avatars and we're all walking around and interacting with each other. It is more so these, these segregated virtual reality ecosystems that we're gonna start seeing cropping up. Hey, Stock Guardians! Once again, I'm here with a special guest. You know him and you've seen him before, but this is becoming a monthly treat now. Simon Erickson, founder and CEO of Seven Investing, and one of the best investors I know out there on Twitter and elsewhere. So, Simon, thank you so much for doing this and joining me on the show, and welcome again. Oh, thanks very much, Hoda. I really enjoy our partnership with Stock Card. Thank you for the kind words. I'm always happy to be here and chatting with you. Awesome. The topic of the day is metaverse. And the metaverse has been the talk of the town for the past couple of months. I just uh, looked up Google Trends and typed in what is metaverse or metaverse uh, in the Google Trends. And it's been basically since September of last year, it's, it's just a hockey stick. The number of people or number of search terms on the term metaverse or what is metaverse or metaverse stocks has been skyrocketing. And um, there's good reasons behind it, which today we're going to talk about it. But before we even jump in, um, I know a lot of people have different definitions for metaverse. Nobody has like a very common definition for it that we all agree. How do you define metaverse, uh, Simon, in your point of view? It's so interesting that hockey stick that you mentioned, Hoda, because virtual reality is kind of what we called this industry before. Metaverse is kind of the new thing that's stuck in the headlines, but VR is nothing new. Uh, the Oculus Rift came out in 2012, and then Oculus was acquired by Facebook. Facebook at the time, now Meta Platforms, but Facebook acquired it for $2 billion in 2014. That was seven and a half years ago, right? Even I personally, as a personal investor, made my first private investment in a virtual reality company in 2016. And I look back and say that was five and a half years ago. But it took Mark Zuckerberg giving a public-facing address from the metaverse and changing the name of Facebook, which has always been for several years now, one of the top 10 largest companies in the S&P 500 index to say, this is a really big deal and we're gonna put a stake in the stand and, and really this is gonna all of a sudden attract up a lot of attention. And when you see somebody with Mark's, like Mark Zuckerberg, the resources that Facebook has at its disposal, everyone now is scrambling to make sure that they have something they can talk about that they're doing in the metaverse. It's the same thing that we saw in blockchain. You saw Long Island Ice Tea changing its name to Long Island Blockchain. Things like this are happening out there, Hoda. Um, to me, the, the, the metaverse is not just a singular thing. It's not just the Ready Player One virtual reality where we've all got avatars and we're all walking around and interacting with each other. It is more so these, these segregated virtual reality ecosystems that we're going to start seeing cropping up. And that's going to mean different things to different people. And that's going to mean different values to different customers. But I think when we define metaverse, we, we shouldn't set the expectation that all of a sudden we're, we're in the middle of some avatar world, we're all interacting, we're not talking to each other in person. This is meant to augment the things that we're already doing in the business or in our personal worlds. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, we, we, as you know, every month we publish a new 
collection or theme on StockGuard. And in December, late December, we published a metaverse collection on StockGuard. And these are the stocks that are either directly involved in the metaverse or sort of their metaverse adjacent. They're basically doing a lot of work in the metaverse space. And in preparation of that, we looked at a, um, the definition of metaverse. And so to your point, there's no agreement on what the definition is, but uh, we, we sort of like landed on this future of online interactions. Um, maybe it's the next step to how we use the internet. It could be gaming. Obviously, everybody knows of Roblox um, and a lot of people uh, sort of feel Roblox and Metaverse are the same things, but that could be just be one rendering renderation of Metaverse world or environments. But then it could be how we learn, how we work, how we interact, how we pay. There's all these sort of like the next generation of interactions online that could be part of this notion of Metaverse. So it's still too early to really define what Metaverse is even is, but it is in from our point of view, from what our research we did is that it's sort of like the next more realistic way or more uh, interactive way of basically consuming and living in the online world. To your point, that, that is sort of the definition of virtual reality, right? It's not the actual reality, but it's the virtual reality that you could do anything in it. It's not only gaming, it could be any other things, learning, interacting, uh, working, all that, all that uh, basically day-to-day -day activity we all do. So with that definition, Add just a few things to that too, Hoda. It's yes, so please. insightful. I, I agree. I mean, augmented reality, diminished reality. I mean, all this is becoming kind of more mainstream. But but like you mentioned, this is horizontal. This is a foundational technology rather than a vertical market that's growing by itself. And like you said, like you said, gaming, I mean, that's going to be one of the first ecosystems that you see the metaverse catching on. No surprise that Microsoft just shelled out 80, I'm sorry, $75 billion to acquire Activision Blizzard, yes. right? And now you're going to start seeing more and more in-game transactions with as minimal friction as possible for payments, because that's kind of the new way that, that games pay for themselves is uh, engagement rather than just upfront software titles. The ecosystem for the enterprise, right? HoloLens was kind of what Microsoft was working on several years ago to make interactive meetings more fun. Zoom, Zoom has really raised the bar in terms of how we can talk to people globally, but how can we make this even more fun so that people aren't falling asleep and snoring 45 minutes into the corporate meeting? I mean, things like that are gonna be a big deal. I think, I think dating, I think there's gonna be a dating ecosystem that's gonna be in the metaverse too, where people can meet from different continents, maybe speak different languages at the time, but yeah. find out if they have chemistry with one another. And then when the time is right for them to meet in person, there's gonna be an ecosystem for that. Like you see these markets, right? They're siloed, but they're all going to use this virtual reality metaverse technology. I think kind of the foundation that, that goes across all of those, Hoda, is a personalized, digital, targeted advertising. Yes. Uh, now you can have intent-based advertising, which is the holy grail for any advertiser to see, you know, what are you looking at? When you have your VR headset on, what are you interacting with? What are you interested in? Mm -hmm. The more they can learn about that, just improves conversion rates, and that's why Mark Zuckerberg, quite honestly, is so interested in this platform. Yes, that's 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 very true. Um, as a matter of fact, when we were doing the research, we came across. Uh, you mentioned the way we work and Zoom and things like that. We came across a uh, initiative where we work, which is an office space, as everybody knows, office space rental company. Uh, which has its own whole <laughs> interesting stories around in the IPO. But putting that aside, they're actually investing and in launching a, a sort of like a virtual meeting 
uh, infrastructures through holograms. It's almost like that, that, that definition of like futuristic meeting that we all have in our mind. And, and you could have your WeWork office here in Southern California, and then you, um, uh, we could have, a, you guys can have yours where you are, and then we could meet actually in 3D renderation of our, our own selves in a meeting room and basically just interact. So we included WeWork as a part of our metaverse collection, and a lot of our users were sending notes to us and like, why are you putting this thing? And I'm like, okay, you know, you just open your, it, it helps everybody open our minds up. Metaverse is not only about uh, gaming, and it, it can be about a lot of other things. Um, so I wanted to always have this conversation when it comes to a new themes or trend. How do you decide if this trend is a fad or is this actually uh, the initial fuzzy front end, front, like the fuzzy beginning of a new big game changing uh, basically platform that is going to change the way we live. It's very difficult to figure that out. But what you personally as an investor, what are the stuff, what are the criteria, what are the things you look for in order to decide, is this worth spending time on or this is just another fad that, you know, kind of comes and goes? How do you do that? Well, as a, a student of disruptive innovation my whole life, these tend to follow S-curves. When you can figure out if something is just a fad or if it's really going to catch on. In the early adopters phase, there are going to be people playing around with something new that are not the majority of users out there, right? For Bitcoin and blockchains, it was people that were mining these in their grandparents' basement. For virtual reality, it was the people that were willing to have the 30-pound headset that was just uncomfortable because they wanted to be in a virtual world. Metaverse is going through similar things right now, where you had the early adopters, you know, you had the early acquisitions that, that you saw from Facebook with, with um, virtual reality and everything else going on out there. Now, to answer the question of, is this just hype cycle that's going to fizzle away, or is it sustainable, you have to transition from early adopters to early majority to late stage majority. And the reason it's looked like an S-curve is because you kind of see this rapid acceleration of growth and adoption, where, where everyone, like we're seeing right now, is catching on. And if you have something that sticks, um, where you can actually see real corporate dollars and consumer dollars um, staying for, for periods of years rather than just weeks or months, that is clearly a sign that there is something behind this. It happened with Bitcoin and with cryptocurrencies when you started seeing blockchain projects going into effect. Ethereum was being used for smart contracts that were being legally binding for enterprises. It was actually being incorporated into large supply chains like Starbucks, who's doing operations globally. When you see things like that, that's your confirmation that this isn't just something that's being talked about that's going to go away. Yeah. But to answer your original question, I, I do think that with all of the um, interest right now that we're seeing, especially from the enterprise in metaverse, whether it's from an advertising perspective, whether it's from embracing it as a foundational technology of the company itself, I think this is definitely here to stay. I personally look at uh, the amount of dollars and amount of uh, human capital, like time and energy is being spent in this space, even after the initial hype subsides. So even if it's even when you're looking at Google Trends, so we talked about the hockey stick of the research uh, on Google, basically trying to figure out what is metaverse, that has the hockey stick and then um, sort of like gone down a little bit, not really back to where it was before, but you don't see companies and human capital allocation to this space as a stuff. So that means it's almost like give, gives this 
give them even a chance to build interesting stuff aside from the hype and all the kind of, all the craziness that is happening in the market. And to me, that's it. like I saw the same thing in cryptocurrency to your point, and then we're seeing the same thing in metaverse. The definition is broad enough, and then you have you allocate enough money and human capital to it, something will come out of it in some spaces. So that is that is how I use it. I really like how you also um, look at this space. I want to kind of get a little bit more specific about companies because obviously, as you know, um, all these stock market investors care most of the time is about the stocks to pick and the stocks they invest in. What are the, some of the stocks or some of the companies, let's I guess, put the stock aside, but like some of the companies that you really believe they're, uh, they're basically taking the lead in this space that you personally interested to kind of see where they're going as it relates to their metaverse activities? Hoda, you asked me to bring three, and so I did. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. the, the first one you mentioned earlier, with it, which is Roblox, I, I think that they really are onto something. Of course, they are a development platform for people to create gaming ecosystems that are built within Roblox, and then they provide the virtual currency for gamers to use within those. Robux is what they call them. But it's got 47 million daily active users. That's growing at 30% a year. These are the people playing the games. And in terms of the developer exchange fees, that's what they're paying out to the developers that are creating things within Roblox. They got half a billion dollars a year. That's not chump change. That's not coins you find in the, in the, in the couch cushions anymore. Uh, a half a billion dollars a year is, is clearly they're onto something and they're growing bookings right around 28 to 30% a year. Um, kind of interesting, Hoda, you know, there was a poll last year of how many nine to 12 year old Americans are playing either Roblox or Minecraft uh, on a monthly basis. Do you know what the percentage was? Near half, I'm just guessing. Absolutely. <laughs> Good guess, because that's exactly right. It was about 50% of nine to 12 year olds are already in the ecosystem and, and using it at least on a monthly basis. I thought that was pretty interesting. As a company that's doing, you know, at kind of a run rate of about $2 billion in sales, the revenue line items is growing at triple digits and it's a $40 billion something market cap, depending on the way, what day you look at it these days. But um, it's one that I, I think has got a lot of potential. You want to always look at the platforms rather than just the individual companies themselves, because if you can get consolidation of 50 million users, you, you, you've won. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Roblox association with Metaverse, it's the easiest one to understand, right? Because as we talked about the gaming, gaming gamers are all a lot of times are early adopters of a new sort of technology and they go and when you connect fun with it or like associate fun with it it's a lot more easier to adopt new technologies so it is a really really good market for that as an early adoption adopter of the metaverse um i guess the space or metaverse functionalities whatever we're going to call it uh yeah i love it roblox is a really really good um good good pick uh, what else do you have in your basket of three well, the, other, the second one is actually very similar in terms of providing the tools and the platform that, that kind of do the, the, the physics, you know, for the games and, you know, kind of all the stuff that you would need to create. And that's Unity Software. Uh, U is the ticker on that one, easy to remember. Uh, also involved in gaming, that one's pretty common as well, but it's, it's kind of a little bit closer to the enterprise too, Hoda. You know, for companies like Trimble that are wanting to do navigation all the time, they're using Unity already to build something like this. Uh, simulation software like Autodesk does a lot of simulations. They're building that to make sure that anything that's built in the digital world most closely as possible resembles the actual physical world so that it's going to behave the way that you would expect. And of course, the enterprise is very interested in things like this. Anybody that's working uh, in manufacturing and healthcare, 
Uh, things like this are very important. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. Another question for you, Hoda, is how many downloads per month are, are downloaded of software that was built on Unity's platform? How many downloads per month globally? That must be a lot because Unity is the engine behind a lot of different video game companies. So I, I don't have any sense of how many downloads, but say maybe it's like 40% of all the downloads in the video game industry, because I think that's their sort of share, but you know, there's really, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> trying to guess and sound smart. I don't know. <laughs> Tell me the answer. Hoda, I can't confirm the percentage. I actually don't know what percentage of it is. Maybe that is correct, but it's, it's about 5 billion downloads per month. Wow. Per month, you know, six, call it 60 billion a year at a, at a run rate are built on, on Unity's platform. That's simply incredible to me that uh, this is kind of the platform of choice, not only for gaming, but also for the enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, again, su super upstream in the process. They're, they're selling on a subscription basis. But that's enabling a whole lot of things that are going to be used for the metaverse as well. Yeah, it's almost like a, a what I call like picks and shovels play, spending in, investing in Unity. It's basically the infrastructure or the developer behind a lot of these things. And what I really like about it is not only they're just doing the engines or the different things for gaming, but to a point they're doing uh, the same for other use cases, which is not only gaming, but it could be uh, in the context of um, engineering, if like construction, in, in the context of other segments that are going to use virtual reality, because just the same as you could be in a 3D rendered version of a game and play that, you could also be in a 3D rendered version of human body or a like a building, and then that you do your work there if you're an engineer, if you're a healthcare provider, a patient, a nurse, or a doctor. So. I, I really like Unity for that. I know the percentage of that work that they're doing is still a small compared to their gaming, but if anyone can do it, Unity can be one of those because they have all this experience from gaming. Uh, so I love game, I love Unity for, for whatever, it's just like as you did, as you do, for the, the sort of like pick and shovel play in the, in the space. Um, let's, uh, let's get to the third one. Yeah, and so now we've talked about two platforms. Uh, the third one is, is kind of pick your own adventure. Choose your own adventure, Hoda. I'm going to give three options that are a little bit more consumer or enterprise facing, uh, depending on, on how you want to play this or various risk levels. Uh, the first is the, the company formerly known as Facebook, now Meta Platforms, uh, of course, has putting 10,000 engineers on building out the metaverse, as we've seen the announcement over the next decade, basically the next eight years. Um, that they're going to be putting a lot of this is going into Europe and into the United States. Uh, of course, these are more developed markets that have, the internet is not the same everywhere in the world, right? China's internet is very different. And it's regulated very differently than America's internet. And very clearly, Facebook uh, or Meta that wants to build this on a foundation of advertising wants the freedoms um, and the less regulations if, if it's going to build something that's built upon advertising. So that's the first option. The other option is completely the opposite, which is Tencent, uh, which is over there in, in, in Asia and specifically in China. It's been a tough go for Chinese tech companies this year. But if you're interested in kind of a conglomerate that's got its hand in a whole bunch of different projects, uh, not just for its own games that it's developing, but also ownership stakes and a lot of other game developers that are the largest in all of Asia, um, Tencent is a, just a diversified company that's going to be a winner from this. Uh, whether or not geopolitical risks still exist, it, it's definitely a leader in this in this field. And then the third is Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft just like we said, seventy-five billion dollar 
acquisition of Activision. It's going to make it one of the largest game makers in the world. But in addition to the gaming consumer side of it, which companies, or I'm sorry, with which franchises like World of Warcraft that have lasted forever because people will still keep playing for decades, they've also got the enterprise side of it. Uh, Microsoft has got very, very sticky relationships because they've got such a large ecosystem and years of, of working with large companies. So, and of course, they're very interested in this as well. So choose your own adventure on the third pick. Yeah. I think one of those three companies is going to do very well. It is. It's it's great. I well, obviously Microsoft and the uh, the Activision acquisition that just came hot, hot off the press as of uh, yesterday. I guess they announced it. So that's a really good one. The other uh, the other one that I, I I know it's like sort of it's so obvious because they changed the name to it, and a lot of people have this hate love and hate relationship um, with this platform. But I just believe the amount of cash. The, this company has and the almost uh, how do I position it they almost don't care what people think about them, think of them they just like focus on this priority that they have which is metaverse and they've, they've been they've been uh, they've been uh, able to do this several times obviously they've focused on cryptocurrencies we don't know where that go but they have really access to all these users globally so I know people hate the hate a lot of things that Facebook does and a lot of people think it's a platform that is not going anywhere but to me cash sort of king here and their determination and their focus on achieving what they want to achieve in this market. Uh, almost between those three, I want to choose Meta over Facebook because of those reasons. Tons of cash to spend and they can make so many failure. They can they can fail so many times and they still succeed at the end and they have the money to spend at it. Um, so for me, if I want to choose between those three, maybe I would bet on uh, Meta former Facebook. Such such a visionary, right? I mean, Mark Zuckerberg paying paying two billion dollars back then, 2014. You know, here we are now, eight years later, talking about something that he saw almost a decade ago, and he was criticized for spending so much money on it. He's building high speed internet, it's high speed wireless internet around the continent of Africa right now. Wow. Nobody else is talking about doing these kinds of things, but but Meta is, Mark Zuckerberg is. Uh, you, you just have to have a long term time frame if you want to get into a company like that. I think it's that's a great true. idea too. That's true. Cash and vision together. I mean, it's the winner. It's the winning, uh, you know, sort of like recipe. Yes, <laughs> that's excellent. Well, I, w- I would add one more to your three, and then we jump into the sort of the opposite side of this story. What are some of the stocks you want to avoid? But I was doing some research in terms of different aspects of metaverse. Um, I don't know if you're familiar or follow this guy Matthew Ball um, on Twitter. He's the man behind the metaverse ETF done by round hills and um obviously so he this is his life work he spends a lot of time on, on metaverse and he he had these different spaces that are related to metaverse so he was talking about just what we talked about gaming enterprise application sort of like the protocols and the standards behind metaverse which is sort of the unity space and then the, he had this this another category sort of hardware and computing which is uh, which is very important for me as well, uh, because I think in order to kind of really achieve that metaverse definition we talked about, the virtual representation of real world online with the internet and then next like the stage of internet. So we still, yes, our internet is very fast as we all know, but there's still far, far from being able to allow millions of people simultaneously be in this virtual environment and work and talk and interact and run their businesses off of it. So to me, if I want to add to one stock to your three, it would be one of these 
semiconductors or the one of these providers of infrastructure, hardware infrastructure to run to run metaverse. Um, yeah, it's hard to decide which one because semiconductor business is very <laughs> cyclical and we know they go through these crazy, crazy cycles. But if I want to add one more, it's probably one of these, maybe it's a Qualcomm or AMD or NVIDIA. One of those could be a good addition to your three picks uh, just because it basically enables the computation and, and the hardware behind Metaverse. What do you think of that? Fantastic idea, Hoda. And I mean, like, it, just the companies like you mentioned, throwing NVIDIA in that list as well, you know, they are also trying to become a um, buffet of options for, for the application itself, right? It's not just a GPU or a CPU or anything else like that. It's like, we want to have the right fit for whatever it is you want to create. And of course, the logic and the applications that are more and more demanding as this gets more and more complex is, is very difficult. And so I, I think that there's kind of this arms race in, a, in the semiconductor industry for IP and who's going to be able to create the chips that are custom tailored to whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. Uh, AMD just went out and acquired Xilinx uh, recently. And that is uh, FPGAs are now able to use software to configure how the chip is actually using the logic that you program it with. Mm -hmm. uh, something like that could be really, really fascinating in terms of first Bitcoin mining, which was something people were using FPGAs for. Mm -hmm. uh, but now just kind of how are things within the metaverse going to, going to work? Uh, it's it's fascinating. It's it's endlessly complex and very interesting. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, we talked about what metaverse is. We talked about three plus one stock to consider if you want to invest in the future of internet and metaverse specifically. But we can always flip the story and say we know with every platform and any every exciting futuristic view of the world, there's some fad with it, like we are, we are already familiar with that. And so it is very good to be able to avoid some of those fads. What is one stock or company uh, that you would potentially avoid and you think they're just hacked up too much and there's not, there's not enough meat around it uh, to, that, that is worth your investing dollars? Yeah, one, one that I'm not sure about yet, Hoda, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to stick my neck out and say it's completely overhyped because it still is going to be probably a pretty big deal. But something I think that just has run up way too quickly is OpenSea. Mm -hmm. I'm not completely bought into NFTs just yet. You and I chatted about this last month or a couple of months ago. And it's a market that just kind of came from being a, a couple of million dollars two years ago to being like a $15 billion market this past year in 2021. Anything that grows that quickly that is entirely digital, right? Again, a non-fungible token is something that you can always trace back to the original creator, but it's not something with physical value to it. Uh, my goodness, that, that sure smells like the hype cycle to me, Hoda, anything that grows that quickly. And OpenSea is a privately held company. It's not publicly traded yet. They were talking about going through the IPO paperwork, but they pulled back on it here within the last couple of months. But the last private valuation round of $300 million they raised valued it at about 13 to $14 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, to see something like that come out of nowhere uh, and something that there's a lot of controversy and a lot of people are questioning, well, what's the true value of an NFT? Mm -hmm. Yes, as we described, there are opportunities in the music industry or in uh, publishing mm -hmm. to always go back and say, this is authentic and here's the identity of the creator. Mm -hmm. But to me, there's a lot of froth in this too. I, I'm not sure that, that people fully understand that all of your Beanie Babies that you bought on eBay are not still going to be worth a million dollars 10 years later. Uh, we've got to get some kind of rational valuation for these things before we can go out and say that they're worth tens of billions of dollars. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think 
unless they can find an application for all these NFTs. That beyond, if an NFT, the way it, it's similar to sort of like the way we buy a luxury good, you know, sort of. Um, I think I, I, I heard this from uh, Professor Galway, if you follow him on, on Twitter, and he was talking about just the new symbol of wealth. And, you know, if you have this like very expensive NFT and put it in your profile, it just sort of like signals that you are the hot thing <laughs> or the hot person. But, you know, that only goes uh, to, to some extent, right? And if can they build things on top of these NFTs? Are there, will there be applications that could use these NFTs to build something else on top of it? That is yet to be seen. And I, I agree with you. If they can pull that off, then it would be sort of like this excitement will whittle on. And then the number of people that actually can afford buying these things at these ridiculous prices that can, um, that could, that, that is now generating the revenue for something like OpenSea, there's just only a limited number of people. And uh, the next hype will come and then maybe it's not the NFTs and then all those dollars will move to those, <laughs> to that hype. And then what OpenSea is gonna do? Yeah, yeah. So it I follows, agree. right? The hype, the hype cycle. I mean, Gardner predicts this that at first there's just going to be so many expectations and uh, the the overpricing of, of of assets that are sold on a marketplace like this. Again, it's a marketplace that takes a cut of everything that's sold. That's going to fizzle away. There's going to be a little bit of disillusionment. The market's going to settle out, and then you're going to start seeing the enlightenment, right? You're going to start seeing these applications like you just that you just mentioned, whether it's in gaming, whether it's in enterprise, wherever it might be. There is a need. For digital assets, there's a need for making sure that you can track those. Just think it's gotten a little bit too far ahead of itself too quickly here. Yeah, that's true. And maybe one last question, and we we, we wrap it up because I know it's a very, very busy day for you with the the, the announcement of the new seven uh, advisors to the seven investing team. What are your thoughts on the brands getting involved? So we know Nike and PNG, and a lot of these guys are getting excitement around NFT or like use it as, as branding. But do you really think there's an opportunity for these brands to materially benefit from uh, the rise of NFTs and metaverse and things like that and play, as, play, play a big role in it? Absolutely. I mean, that, that's branding 101, right? It's capture as much margin as you possibly can by getting as close to the consumer as you can. Mm -hmm. You know, why do we, we stop selling in outlet malls, you know, first and, and cutting out the middlemen and then having a direct to consumer relationship of mm -hmm. selling things online? And then how about if you can even have a better relationship by seeing more and more Nike and Under Armour uh, things on that other people are clothed in, in in the metaverse? I mean, things like this, it is a self-fulfilling cycle. You're going to yeah. get higher pricing and better margins yeah. the closer you get to your consumers. I, of course, they're going to go after that for sure. Yeah, exactly. So if, if, if OpenSea or if some of these players could pull some applications like that, it could be one good way of actually their valuation is justified if they can enable that kind of stuff. But yeah. it's yet to be seen. It's an exciting market. There's tons to learn. Um, in preparation of this episode, I did some research and I'm like, wow, this is another rabbit hole that I could jump in and read and learn about it for many, many months. Uh, but we sure make sure keep keep doing that learning and then share that with stock guardians. But as always, thank you so much for doing uh, this and sharing your knowledge and your stock picks for the stock guardians. Any last word for uh, the community here and uh, maybe a quick update on where can people find you and uh, read uh, your work? Sure, yeah, 7investing.com. First of all, thank you for the opportunity, Hoda, to be here. I always enjoy this. We're at 7investing.com is our website, 7investing.com slash subscribe. If you want to come check out our recommendations, including Luke's first pick, 
which is going to come out here on February 1st. My goodness, what a volatile time for the market right now. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, a, a challenging time for growth investors. If you looked at the returns of the NASDAQ as a consolidated index, but then on the other side of it, if you're a, if you're a growth style investor, if you're a long-term investor and you see these companies that are growing at 30 or 50% per year, cloud native software companies, and you're getting them on sale, yeah. such an exciting time um, for anyone who wants to buy great companies at bargain prices. Just earlier this morning, we announced we've just hired our seventh lead advisor with Seven Investing. So we're at full strength now, right? We're going to have seven lead advisors, each making a one pick every month for seven total. And uh, his name is Luke Hallard. He's based in London, uh, spent a career of 25 years at HSBC Bank, kind of moving the banking into the digital era, worked on global programs in Southeast Asia and the United States and in Europe. Uh, really, his background is in fintech, but he's just got a, an, an eye for innovation globally. He sees uh, from a firsthand experience how markets are changing, uh, what companies are using technology to get a step ahead of their competitors. I'm super excited to welcome him to the team. I couldn't be more stoked about Luke joining us, our seventh lead advisor. Yeah, that's awesome. I checked uh, his profile and he, he talked about more than almost 30% compounded annual growth rate a return on his investment for over a decade or two decades, almost two decades. And I'm like, that kind of performance and track record certainly is unique. And I'm so glad that he's part of your team. Hopefully we can have him on our, on our show at some point soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And his, uh, the context, like you mentioned, 26% compound annual growth rate over an 18 year period of investing. And just to put that into perspective, Hoda, if you put $1,000 in at that kind of compound growth rate and let it sit for 18 years, it turns every thousand dollars into sixty-six thousand dollars, assuming you're not even putting more money in over time. Wow. That's the kind of long-term wealth compounding we're trying to create with Seven Investing. That is fantastic. No stock guardians should feel very lucky to have your Seven Investing portfolio on a stock card, which is one of your monthly uh, stock picks that goes to uh, your portfolio on a stock card. And I'm assuming, or I think we were just talking about it, the January's peak is coming very soon. I love this partnership, like we mentioned with Stock Card, that we're going to start changing that. We're going to now start publishing our monthly best buy from Seven Investing, making it available on our stock card page as well. Uh, behind the stock card paywall, but you will get access to the, the exact report that we publish for our seven investing subscribers as well. And our best buy in terms of what that means is uh, every month, each of our advisors picks one stock. So times seven advisors, seven picks every month. And then we go back as a team and we look at the picks from the previous month and we say, which of these do we, do we like the most? You can't vote for your own pick. And then we say, we've got our best buy. And then that's something that we announce and we provide now the actual recommendation report of that two stock court, two stock card on our page there as well. Yes, I, I love those reports. I, every time you publish those ones, I read them from A to Z. Uh, they're full of basic, there's like a lot of detail. We don't get that from a lot of other creators, like a detailed write-up on the reasoning behind why they're picking a specific stocks for their portfolio. So that's why I'm really excited about every time you guys have an addition to your, your portfolio, I'm always like, okay, I got to get my hands on that report. So the VIP users on StockCard obviously get access. And if you guys who are watching and listening, you're not a VIP user, you can go to Seven Investing's portfolio on a StockCard, subscribe to VIP, or just use Seven Investing promo code to get 10% exclusive discount on your subscription and uh, get full access to the detailed 
PDF report that Southern Investing Team provides, as well as their previous stock picks and their latest January pick. Uh, so uh, the link will be in the show notes and you will have access to that, obviously. If you can go to Portfolio Center on a stock card, you can type in Southern Investing and that's another way to get to this portfolio. Yes, southerninvesting.com. That's a great place to, to find your work and you do con- tons of great content on Twitter. So people can hopefully find you on Twitter and follow you and uh, we'll get you next month back into the studio and talk about another exciting trend um, with you. With that, thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day and talk to you soon.